Welcome. Good morning and welcome to our ongoing text-based Tanya class for advanced students. <laughs> okay, so just to catch us up without trying to go through everything that we've done in uh, the past few months, but uh, we started off in chapter one mentioning that in the Gemara it describes five levels or five personae, five personality types. A uh, complete tzaddik, an incomplete tzaddik, a complete rasha, an incomplete rasha, and a benini. And you notice I don't translate those words because what do you want to translate? Tzaddik is righteous, it doesn't do it justice. You want to translate rasha as wicked, doesn't do it justice. Benini, you want to translate it as intermediate, doesn't do it justice. But um, basically, we're examining who these personalities are. We haven't yet figured out what we are or what we can be. We didn't do that yet. We're just getting the uh, parameters, so to speak. Now, last week we did chapter 10. 10. 10. And in chapter 10, actually it took us two weeks, but we finished chapter 10 last week. We spoke about the level, the type of person called a tzaddik. And within tzaddik, we spoke about two levels of tzaddik. Tzaddik v'toivloi, tzaddik v'raloi, which is also called tzaddik gomer, tzaddik she'ena gomer. And without getting into the particulars, because this is just review, without getting into the distinction between the two levels of tzaddik, just tell me basically, what's a tzaddik? No temptation. No temptation. That's right. That's, not, that, that's right. Because his, uh, what we call Yetzahara has been effectively neutralized or even transformed into a second Yetzir Toiv, and he experiences zero temptation. Okay. Now, a lot of people were saying, well, is that what we're striving for? And I told you, no. No, that's not, not no, no, it's not the goal. Not even the goal. Okay. We're just getting the lay of the land. We're just learning the parameters. So that's, that's one kind of a person. A person has no internal temptation, so there's nothing to overcome. All right. Now, I'm going to spoil the joke. I'm going to tell you the punchline. And if you were at my humor class on Wednesday, you know that I have a perverse thrill in doing that. Okay. Today we're going to learn about the Russia, two levels of Russia, which I don't want to translate as wicked person. Um, and then in chapter 12, we're going to introduce the Bainini, and then we're going to have several chapters on the Bainini. We have one chapter on the Tzaddik, that's the high level that we're never going to reach. We have one chapter on the Russia, that's the low level, which is easy to reach. You don't need a booklet, you don't need instructions to know how to do that. Right? Uh, and then we're going to have several chapters on the Bainini because... Spoiler alert, but the name of the book is Sefer Shalbanenim. It's not really Tanya, as we mentioned in the first class. We colloquially refer to it as Tanya, but really the Alter Rebbe called it Sefer Shalbanenim, and the, the point of the book is to become this Benini. But before we learn the Benini, which is in between the Tzaddik and the Russia, we have to learn the Tzaddik and the Russia. So we're learning the, the extremes, okay? We learned the high extreme called the Tzaddik last week. We're learning the low extreme called the Russia this week. And then we'll get into the Benini, and that's basically our focus for the rest of the Sefer is... Who is this Benini? How to become one? Okay? Make sense what we're doing? Okay? All right. So now we're going to learn about the Russia. Pedagyud Aleph, chapter 11. Chapter 11 is bankruptcy. Benini isn't a default. 
No, Bainini is a default. That would be great to roll out of bed in the morning and already be a Bainini. Halavai. No, not a default so you're at born all. Nothing, and you become either a tzaddik, a rasha, or a Bainini. Well, you're born uh, with the either we said this last week that you're born with the potential to become a tzaddik or not, in which case there's no point in pursuing it. And then everyone, the true tzaddik is sprinkled throughout. Then the true tzaddik is sprinkled yeah. throughout history, right? And then everyone else is born with the potential to be a bainini, but uh, the default is Russia. You let yourself go, boom. The default is Russia. Oh, sure. So you have to work to become a bainini. Oh, yeah, you got to work to become a bainini. That's why the whole book is about the work you have to do to be a bainini. In fact, if I had to write a one-sentence book report on Tanya, I would say it is the book about all the work you have to do to become and maintain being a Bainini. Wow. Do you think that the goal is not even to become, try to become a tzaddik? No, the goal is not to try to become a tzaddik. That's kind of depressing. Why is it depressing? You don't even know what a Bainini is yet. <laughs> You're depressed that you, can't be a, that you can't be a tzaddik, but you didn't find out what a Bainini is yet. So when, when, like, I think it's more depressing to so, tell someone that the goal is to become a tzaddik. Because remember what we defined a tzaddik as last week? As somebody who doesn't even have the temptation. So what you're telling me is the goal is I have to extricate the temptation from my heart. I'm not even allowed to have the temptation. How, how, how attainable is that? Not even allowed to have the, the urge, even if I overcome the urge? Oh, yeah, in a way that Benin is even a higher level because he's overcoming something. Yeah, the struggle. But let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Okay. Chapter 11. Okay, like I said, Chapter 11 is bankruptcy. That's how I remember that Chapter 11 is the Russia. It's my little mnemonic. Pedigud Aleph, chapter 11, Zelumazel, one corresponding the other. You guys have heard that expression before. It's really originally from King Solomon. What? Don't say that, please. Don't. No, we reject it. No, do not say that. Do not. Even if it's true. Calling people, a, saying that a room full of people are Roshoyim is like mentioning a woman's birthday. You just don't do it. You don't do it. Everyone knows. We all can her birth, year. her birth year. We could all do the math, but you don't say it. You don't say that. Come on. Okay. All right. So we're on chapter eleven. Zaluma one corresponding the other. You guys are familiar with that statement or that phrase? That's a that's a phrase from Kehelis from Shlema Melech. One corresponding the other means that everything in this world is counterbalanced. We've learned this concept before, right? Okay. Roshavatoivloi lumas tzadik veraloi. You have bookends, so to speak, or mirror images, or the bizarro version, like they call it in Superman. You have the Rosh of a Tevloi. The Rosh with a little bit of good in him is the opposite of the Tzadik Veraloi. Think about it. Tzadik Veraloi is the Tzadik with a little bit of bad. We explained what that meant. What, what, we explained last week what that means. The opposite of that, the mirror image of that, is the Rosha V'toivlai. The Hainu, in other words. What is this Rosha V'toivlai? This Rosha who has a little bit of good in him. The good in him, in his, in his heart, and I'm not going to get into the whole explanation why we talk about the right ventricle and the left ventricle. You can, uh, we spoke about that in chapter 9. 
But anyways, the good in him is subjugated, bent, literally, and nullified to the Ra. So he has good, but it's subjugated. What does that mean? That means he's a good guy. He's got a good heart. He meant well. But sometimes it always doesn't... Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't always come out that he does good. That's what it means. Let's explain it a little bit more. Doesn't what? have to be subjugated to something? That's what I said. So what is it? Tell me. I, I missed it. Say it again. <laughs> he has good, but it's subjugated. To? What do we say? It doesn't always come out that he does the good. What? So the goodness of his godly soul is subjugated to the evil of his animal soul. What does this mean? This is also divided into tens of thousands of levels. Remember we said before about the Tzadik Viraloi that they're like endless levels of it. It's a very... Uh, wide spectrum. Remember we said that last week? Yeah. Okay. So, Rosha V'toivloi is not just one category. There are lots of different shades of Rosha V'toivloi. Be'inyin, and in what's the, I guess, the metric that distinguishes one from the other, one level of Rosha V'toivloi from the other? Be'inyin, kamos ve'echos the quantity and quality of the nullification of the good to the bad. In other words, the good is nullified to the bad. The question is, how much and in what way? How much meaning quantifiably, and in what way meaning in a qualitative sense? We're going to explain what, what all of this means. Okay, don't, don't get nervous. So here's an example of a Russia v'tevloi. Okay? And you tell me if this sounds like a wicked person. Because this is why I don't like to translate Russia as wicked, even though that's the conventional translation. You tell me if this sounds like an evil person. Answer is, I'll already tell you. No, it doesn't sound like an evil person. You know what it sounds like? It just sounds like a person whose ra is able to predominate over his toif. He's a, he's a good person. He has toif in him. But it doesn't always work out that way. Let, let, let's read further. You have someone where the nullification of the toif to the ra is minimal. Minimal. He has just a very light case of being a rasha. Minimal case. Okay. The Afgam and not only is it a minimal case, but furthermore, it is not constant. It's not constant. The light tadr, it's not frequent, something that happens often. Ella rather It happens seldomly. Seldomly. Doesn't happen often. 
He's not drunk all the time. He relapses every few months. Yeah, I, yeah I'm sober, except every few months I, I relapse. So it's not happening that often. What happens? Misgaber hara ala the the evil, or maybe better translated, the selfishness, predominates over the toiv or the selflessness, the altruism. And conquers the little city, the body. That was chapter 9, right? The parable of the little city, that each one of us is compared to a little city with two kings fighting for total domination. The animal soul and the godly soul both fighting for domination of our, of our, of our bodies. They both want self-expression. And they're fighting over the same person in order to get that self-expression. So one end of the range of this spectrum of Rosh Havatevlai is a very light case where let, let, let's, let's, let's be practical. Let's, let's say it as it is. He only misbehaves I, I don't like it's, it's a Goyish word, but he only sins seldomly. He sins. He breaks. He violates God's law, but not often. Not often, because he's a good guy, and, and, and mostly he controls himself. But once in a while, the, uh, the Ra within him gets too strong, overbearing, and uh, he makes the wrong choice. But it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Is it a self-assessment? No, right now, this is, no one's, we're not self-assessing. We're, this is a totally theoretical idea right now. We're talking about a model. We're talking about a model. Don't, don't take it personal yet. You'll tell us one. Yeah, I'll let you know what. Okay. <laughs> also, you should know, when it does happen that the Ra takes over, it's not even the whole body, it's just part of it. Where his body obeys his animal soul and becomes a, 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 a vessel, a, a vehicle for that, for that will. Levush becomes a garment. Where one of the three soul garments will be lent to the expression of this selfish desire. Remember from chapter 4, the three soul garments? Thought. Speech, action. action, very good. So those are the three ways in which a soul expresses itself. Either soul, godly or animal. They express themselves through thought, speech, and action. Those are the modes of self-expression. So what we're saying is this Rasha, Vatevlai, first of all, he may seldomly sin. It's not a, it's not a regular occurrence. Second of all... When that happens, it may not be in all of his soul garments, all of his modes of expression. It may only be in one of the three. He may not do anything, an actual deed. It might just be, you know, a little Lashon Hara. Or it may be even active fantasizing. And we spoke about that, how willful thought, not the impulse that pops up, in your mind that you push away, but willful thought, where you actually deliberately sit and scheme or plot or even just fantasize about things that are not wholesome.
So, so what we're saying is he's such a light case, this Rosh Avetevlai, on one extreme end of the spectrum, that he rarely sins, and even when that happens, it's not even in all three of his soul garments. He goes a little more specifically. Dahainu. Maybe he'll just do the action. You're saying, oh, he just did the action, that's the worst. Hmm, I don't know, there's an argument to be made. Sometimes <laughs> it's better just <laughs> do it perfunctorily. You know, like we do mitzvahs perfunctorily, like you do the mitzvah and you don't even remember doing it. You just do the Aveda and you're not even present for it. So there's an argument to be said. Without the actual thought, you mean? Yeah, you're not even into it. Like afterwards, like that's what it's all about. Oscar Wilde said the best way to get rid of a temptation is to give into it. Don't listen to Oscar Wilde, by the way. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I said do not listen to Oscar Wilde. But no, please don't write it down. Okay. okay. Don't, don't get distracted. Listen, 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 listen. Ask me after class. I have a lot of good light lush and hotter to tell you. Okay. okay, listen, 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 listen. Maybe he just does actions. He doesn't get so mentally into it. Okay? And also, another extenuating factor, they're not even grave sins. They're not even grave sins. He didn't murder anybody. Maybe he ate before he made Avdallah on Matzah Shabbos. Oh boy, major it, well, not, Shulchan Aruch says you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> what? The example of an Aveda Kala? I hate to do that because it makes people think that that's the Aveda they should do. But a light sin? I said it's like, a, like a, a grave sin would be like murder. What? That's in another context. You're thinking about it in another context where he tells us in chapter uh, 24, 25, that there's no gradation in sin. It's all one thing. But that's a totally different context. Okay. It's a problem. You have people who were through Tanya already became Tanya experts. Okay. I, I, they say you'll never be jealous of your child or your student. Deep. The, the Gemara says We're that. honored. Yeah. Okay. So maybe he just does action and not even, not even serious actions. And maybe it's just in speech. Maybe he's just speaking. It's not even real Lashon Hara. It's Avak Lashon Hara. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a categorization in halacha. It's not explicit Lashon Hara, it's like, but it's like teetering on the edge of Lashon Hara. Or maybe he just speaks leitzanus, just telling silly, cynical jokes with no point. Not like last Wednesday's class where the jokes were very deep and they all had a point. Remember that? Every truth has a little joke. Everyone was there. It's on YouTube. It's on soulwords.org. You can watch it again. Okay. Yeah, you got to watch it. Yeah. <sighs> or maybe he'll only sin in machshava, in thought. And again, I'm stressing, this doesn't mean the impulse for thought, like the image that just pops up in your head that you had no desire and no will over. We're talking about you sit down 
and for fun, <laughs> for enjoyment, you fantasize about something. Oh, I would never kill him, but I would imagine torturing him. Well, you know, don't tell me that's a mitzvah, okay? It's not a mitzvah. It's the opposite of a mitzvah. So maybe it's machshavalavad. And he says here, In fact, in some senses, uh, fantasizing about a sin can be more damaging than the sin itself. Yeah. In, well, you know, the, it, there's different perspectives. Obviously, fantasizing about murder is going to be less impactful on the family of the murder victim. True. Right? Hopefully. Then actually killing that person. But what we're talking about here is in some, what does it mean that it's kosher, that, it's, that, that fantasizing about a sin can be more grave than doing the sin itself? What it means is, at least one explanation is, that if you do it, so you did it once, it's done. If you think about it, you're like stewing in it. And it's with you, you're taking it with you all the time. Also, you do it, and action is the most external faculty of the three modes of expression. Thought is the most internal. So, it's it's a matter of perspective. If you want to talk about the effect on the world, definitely action is more damaging to the world. But if you want to talk about the effect on yourself, negative thinking is more damaging to your own self, to your own soul. Which you're also not allowed to damage. You're not allowed. So, sorry, why is it a sin? Because basically, you're only right. You're only hurting yourself. You're not hurting. Well, you're not allowed to hurt yourself. You're not, you're not killing anyone. Right, but that's the sin. You're not allowed to hurt yourself. So it's an actual avera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But again, I want to distinguish. It's not that something pops up in your mind, something sinful, something outrageous, something shocking, appalling. That happens to everyone. And, um, in fact, not to use clinical terms because I'm not qualified to do so, but, you know, uh, in psychology they talk about um, intrusive thoughts and somebody who becomes obsessed with their own intrusive thoughts. Like, the obsession with having the intrusive thoughts can become more, well, not more dysfunction, that is the dysfunction. So we're accepting the fact that we will have the impulse for all types of thoughts and that that's not sinful at all and we're not responsible for that. You're not, how are you responsible for that? You're not responsible for that. Um, but what we're talking about is, it's, it's, it's a very important distinct, uh, distinction here, willful thought where I've made a choice to think about this thing. You know, th- uh, think, of, think of it as like the internal internal equivalent of just mindlessly scrolling on your phone except you're mindlessly scrolling through your own thoughts it's an activity you've chosen to partake of that activity so it's not like you're it's not like it's happening to you you're not passive here you're you're active albeit in your own head so it's not happening out there in the world that's true that's why i said from one perspective action is much worse than thought. And from another perspective, thought can be more serious than action. At any rate, but that's not the point, and I don't want anyone getting distracted. I want to make sure everyone understands the point here. The point is, the point is, we're talking about a very, very light case of Russia Vatoyevloi, where his infractions are very infrequent, doesn't happen often, 
it is not necessarily grave sins that he's involved in. could be relatively what we call light infractions. And it's not in all of his soul garments. It's maybe in one soul garment and not the others. In other words, we have a lot of extenuating factors here to argue that his case of being a Rosha is a rather mild one. How did Judaism view premeditated crime? Okay, I'm, I'm not getting... No. I, I want everyone to understand one thing. Do you understand what we're doing right now? What are we doing? We're defining the parameters of the Rosha Vetoivlai. What? Spectrums within spectrums within spectrums? Yeah, yeah why not? Sure. Sure. Okay. Nuance is everything. All right. Let's just close this thought here. Vegam im enoi maharba avera la seisa elabe inyin zivuk zacher in a keva boilam. Even if, see, I cleaned it up. I said he was fantasizing about murdering somebody. The Altareb is a little bit more real. I'm, I'm timid. The Altareb says it. He says, even if the person is not, when he talks about sinning with your thoughts, he says, sinning with your thoughts could mean not even that you're plotting how to do a sin. That's obviously sinful. Like the, the thoughts that you put into how to do a sin are part of the sin. But here he even says fantasizing about erotic thoughts. That's the example that he gives. And uh, he explains why that's not okay. Because he is transgressing the Torah's warning. Don't think about not good things because... Uh, he doesn't finish the sentence. He says chulu, which means etc. But it means that if you fantasize during the day, you may have problems at night. Um, that, this begs the question, are you allowed to fantasize about your spouse? Um, then that goes in the category of uh, planning on a mitzvah. Everyone understands what we mean a person might have problems at night? Yeah. Yeah. It's a biological issue. Okay. It's pertaining to men, correct. And by the way, not to be sexist, but I do believe that a lot of this stuff is very different for men and for women. Um, like in Chapter 7, remember, we spoke about different permissible things that if you do it indulgently it becomes really not good and we used eating as one example but also marital intimacy was another example in chapter 7. Um, I don't want to get into a whole discussion of this but I gave a class last week or the week before I don't remember to married men yeah. and I oh yeah I told you about this last week it was two weeks ago so 
Oh yeah, that's right. Love gives, so lust takes. Line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I told, I, I told the men basically not to be so selfish. Um, but I should say there are differences. There are very... Okay, uh, here's a 30-second micro uh, vort. When they were building the Mishkan, the sanctuary, uh, the women donated mirrors, and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to accept the mirrors because the mirrors had an origin story. Back in Mitzrayim, when the men were so emotionally broken because of slavery, they didn't want to procreate, they didn't want to be intimate with their wives, and therefore there would be no further Jewish generations. The women used to use these mirrors to look into the mirrors and beautify themselves so they could seduce their husbands. And when the when they left Egypt and they were in the desert and they went to donate these mirrors, so Moshe saw it. He was like, no, 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 this doesn't belong in the, in the Mishkan. The Mishkan is a house to Hashem. It's totally holy. This is like, like, I understand why you did what you had to do, but like, let's not bring it in here. And the Medrash says, Hashem told Moshe, accept them, accept the mirrors, because these donations are more beloved to me than any of the other donations. Than any of the other donations. The whole sikha from the Rebbe about it, but basically uh, how the women had the ability to elevate that whole thing and make it totally holy. So a lot of these messages are, I think, somewhat gender specific. So I don't want to bring a whole bunch of um, guilt and shame and neurosis upon innocent people. But I'm, at the same time, I'm not going to skip the line. I'm going to read what it says here. And by the way, when, when I learned this with, uh, with men, I think one of the things I emphasize is that the Alter Rebbe is so, um, I, I guess what I would say is he's, he's a, lot of, a lot of people, they have struggles and then they feel so, uh, they have such self-hatred about it that it causes a lot of confusion. That they even have a struggle, yeah. So I, I always point out, look, the Alter Rebbe, when he wants to give an example of thinking that is not appropriate thinking, he says very clearly, he says erotic fantasies. Like, the Alter Rebbe is not shying away from it. He's not shying away from it. So, uh, like he's saying, this is the human condition, of course. Okay. All right, let's continue. Another example. It's, the, it's a good time for learning Torah, and instead he's checking his email for the 20th time today. That's what the Alta Rebbe says. Like it says in Pirkei Aves, When a person is awake at night and he empties his heart, meaning he doesn't learn Torah, doesn't use that time. What is the night for when it's quiet? It's for learning Torah. Is, is there any other use for the night times other than learning Torah? Instead, he uses it for foolishness. So uh, that would be a misuse of the garment of thought. What happens is the inner Ra predominates, rises up, and uh, takes over enough to manage to get him to do something he shouldn't do. And when I say do, I don't necessarily mean a physical action. Doing can encompass uh, not only action, but speech, and even active, willful thought. And again, I stress active, willful thought. Okay. 
At any rate, the point is, this Rasha Vetevlai is a pretty good guy. 99.9% of the time. Once in a while, he does an Aveda, and it's not even a big Aveda, and sometimes it's not even anything more than just fantasizing. That's it. That's it. But here's what he wants you to know. The definition of a Rasha, again, that's why I don't translate it as a wicked person, because it doesn't sound very wicked. All a Rasha means is somebody who doesn't have 100% behavioral control. That's all it means. He doesn't have 100% behavioral control. So if you have a pilot who crashes one out of a thousand times, that's a pretty good average, but no one's going to fly with him. You don't call that safe. Like in, in baseball, a batting average in the 300s, that means 70% of the time you strike out and you're considered a great hitter. But a pilot, if he crashes one out of a thousand times, that's not a good average. Yeah. What's the difference between him and the Bainini? Should I spoil the, the suspense? Okay. The Bainini is never going to lose behavioral control even once. So I gave away, I gave away the excitement. Yeah, but I don't think, I think he has a bad rap. Who? I, I think he's he's Russia Vatavli does not get a bad rap here. When I I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tippy's saying, why do we have to call him a Russia? Like, yeah. the guy's not a Russia, so stop calling him a Russia. Okay. You, you, so you remind me, you remind me of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Wow. <laughs> Somebody came to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and said that his Rebbe, another Rebbe, another Hasidic Rebbe, was asked, the Rebbe asked, what was he saying? What were his divrei Torah? What uh, teachings did he give over? So the, this, this Hasid from this other group said that my Rebbe was saying, how the Gemara says, that even the wanton sinners of Israel are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate is full of seeds. So my Rebbe was saying, it's not really, uh, doesn't make sense. Um, if they're wanton sinners, how can they be full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate is full of seeds? And the Rebbe said, you know, I have almost the same exact question on that same passage in Talmud, except my question is, if they're full of mitzvahs, <laughs> how could the, the Talmud call them sinners. So you're saying, how can they be called Rishoyim? Okay, yeah. and what I'm saying is, let's, for the, at least the context of this class, change the connotation of the word Russia. The connotation of Russia is not a diabolical, scheming, nasty, hateful person. The connotation of Russia in this class is a good guy who 99.9% .9 of the time is doing good stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. What? Yes. So you guys are getting ahead of yourselves. So the okay. So you so you asked what's the difference between this and a bainini, a rush of a table and a bainini. And I said, should I ruin the suspense? He said yes. I said okay. The bainini doesn't lose behavioral control even once. So now you're saying, oh, now the follow-up question. Then what's the difference between this and the tzaddik? And what is the difference between? The difference, but we're getting way ahead, but I'll, I'll answer your question. The difference between the Baini and the Tzaddik 
is that a tzaddik, it's not that he doesn't lose behavioral control. There's nothing to lose control to. There's no struggle to begin with. So basically we have a tzaddik who has no struggle. The Russia who is struggling, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. And the Benini who's successfully struggling all the time at the level of behavior, meaning he cannot suppress the initial urge that will come to him, but on the level of behavior, he's able to, he's able to exert control. Okay, but I, I, want, I want to continue here. I want to continue because there's, there's, a, there's a very important aspect of the Rosh Hashanah we, we have not discussed yet. And that is, is the Rosh Hashanah, is he a bad guy? No. He's not a bad guy. So I want to ask you a question. How do you think he feels about his lapses when he does the wrong thing? How do you think he feels? I know when he's doing it, of course he has guilt. Of course. Of course he has guilt. Because he's not a bad guy. Okay, so he, he did a stupid thing. But at some point, maybe even immediately after, he's going to feel bad about it. So, so let, let's continue here. Let's continue here. Um, yeah. Is it Tanya Russia and Haggadah Russia the same thing? No, 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 no. No, it's its, its own lexicon. That's a good question. That's a good No. This is, Tanya has its own lexicon. Okay. So where do we get up to? Any of these examples of lapses, even very minor lapses, he's called a rasha. Yeah, we said that. That uh, the ra is strong enough to make him sin. Okay. Now, the guilt. After the lapse, the good, the latent good, the native good that's in him, that was always there the whole time. In fact, it was being violated at the time when he was going against Hashem's will. Because the good is trapped there in, in him. It's being schlepped along. It just wasn't strong enough to stop him. And now the good sort of wakes up and says, Oy vey, what's, what's happened here? What have we done? So what happens? Umischaret. Umischaret. He feels regret. He, he feels regret. He feels remorse. And he asks Hashem for forgiveness and pardon. And by the way, the Altarebbe makes sure you know. Vahashem yislachlai. And Hashem forgives him. God is forgiving. God is forgiving. Im shav b'tshuva haroi al pi atzas chachmenu zal b'shleishe chaluke kapora shahoye Rebbe Yishmol 
provided he does tshuva in the appropriate way, as delineated by the Bryce of Rabbi Yishmoel, which is explained at length elsewhere, in other words, in the first chapter of Yigeras HaTshuva. This book, the first volume of Tanya, is called Sefer Shalbeinim. The second volume is called Shari Yechod V'Amunah. The third volume is called Yigeras HaTshuva. In the first chapter of the third volume, which is called Yigeras HaTshuva, the book of repentance, the letter of repentance, mm-hmm. it enumerates the three different levels of pardon or of atonement. But we're not going to get into them here. All we're saying is that there are requirements for doing proper tshuva. And provided he follows the requirements for doing proper tshuva, he will be forgiven. And that's all we need to know. Okay. So, basically, what have we described? This Rosh Havatayvle. He's a good guy who wants to do good and generally does good. But once in a while, he messes up. And then after he messes up, at some point, sooner or later, sometimes sooner than later, he feels awful. That's called a Rosh Havatayvle. So he sounds like a regular person. He sounds like a regular person, yeah. So remember at the beginning of class we were talking about default? It's basically the default of any regular decent person. Default meaning if you let yourself go and you just be natural, oh natural, that's what's going to come out. And of course it's a spectrum. There's a spectrum because some people are going to be like this, this, this extreme example that we gave where he barely ever sins and it's only light sins and it's only in one garment of the soul and not in all three garments. And then at the other end of that Rosh Havatevle spectrum there could be someone who's sinning all the time and it's serious and sins. And what does Tanya call that Rosh He's still in the same spectrum, Rosh Havatevle. Hmm, Very good question. What, it seems unfair. Why? What's going to happen to you if you're in that... It's unfair. Uh, What? I mean, the tshuva doesn't bring him back to where he was like when he was. That's where he always was. If he maintains the tshuva, yeah, sure. Sure, that's the whole point of the book is to do tshuva and become a benini. Yeah, of course, that's the whole point of the book. But you're asking, well, what about the extreme case where the guy is sinning most of the time and he's doing serious evaders and it's all three garments? Same spectrum. That's also Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah is a very wide spectrum. No, don't. Don't do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Why do you say it again? Okay. So, yeah, there's a murderer, and there's a guy who spoke Lashon Hara one time. Yeah. They're both in the same category. What? But what's the difference? What do you care? What do you care if, if, if a Rolls Royce and a Yugo are both called cars? It's a, it's a wide category. A Chihuahua and a St. Bernard are both dogs. It's a wide category. It's a very wide category. What do you care? Oh, okay, yeah, let's find out. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Let's fi- we don't know what Rosh Hashanah is. Very good point. We don't even... What's this Rosh Hashanah? So I want to tell you something. You know what? Every time I learn time with people and I ask them, well, what do you think at this point? So what do you think a Rosh Hashanah is? You know what they always say? No more good. 
He doesn't have the guilt problem. You guys are so good. No one ever says that. No one says that. This is the first time this ever happened. Everybody says, no guilt. She, sa- she said, no guilt. Usually what people say is, Rosh must mean he does worse sins. And actually that's not the criterion that differ- differentiates the Rosh from the Rosh It's not the degree of his sins. You're going to see. Very good. It's the guilt. Okay, we're, uh, he still has some you guys, you guys are very good. Okay, wait, wait, watch, watch. Okay, watch. Okay. The ye- you guys ready? There is somebody. Oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, we're still in the rush of a table. I'm sorry. Okay, you got me so excited, I jumped ahead of rush of a Okay. We're, we're still in the rush of a table. And we're talking about the other extreme of the spectrum, Rosh So then you have, on the other side of the spectrum of Rosh someone who sins more often, he sins more grave sins, and it affects more of the garments of the soul. Ach ben Saim, however, in the interim, in between his sinning, when he can manage to fit it in, mischaret, he does have regret. So if he has regret, then he's definitely still in the category of Roshavatayv, like he still has good in him, which re- re- regrets the, the bad actions. He gets little hankerings, little, uh, gets little flashes of tshuva thoughts from the good that's in his soul, which is able to gain strength once in a while. But it's not strong enough, the good in him is not strong enough to help him, you know, to put him over the hump and to actually make that behavioral uh, victory. He's not able to actually um, abandon his sin. This is why our sages of blessed memory said, the wicked are full of remorse. What does it mean the wicked are full of remorse? It means your average quote-unquote wicked person is just a good guy who messes up and feels bad about it. Listen to this. Listen to what he says. This is the majority of wicked people. They still have good in them. So I'm asking you to do me a favor. Do yourselves a favor. Don't get so triggered by the word Russia. We don't need to have it connote an evil, loathsome person. Change your, change your picture of, of a Russia. A Russia is a good guy, a good gal, who just doesn't have 100% behavioral control. It's a pilot who crashes one out of a thousand times. Okay? okay? Yeah. It's the addict who relapses once a year. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not 100%. Yeah. All right, now, let's get to the Rosh Hashanah. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> However, one who never has remorse. And he doesn't have any thought of tshuva. That would be called Rosh 
what what now let's talk about the spiritual mechanics or dynamics of the what, what what's happened to this guy because we know the mechanics of of regret the mechanics of regret are that there's good in you and that good is allergic to the bad in your behaviors and it's like having an allergic reaction so how come this guy's not having an allergic reaction he ha he doesn't have a soul of course he has a soul but but what what happened to the he has a soul what happened to his soul so watch what he says only the ra, only the selfish, animalistic survival impulse is left within him. It pushed down the goodness so much that the goodness flew away, departed. But it didn't disappear. It didn't disappear. Where is it? It stands in a hovering sort of way above him. And when we say hovering and above, we're talking about spiritual things. So obviously I don't mean spatially in, in a sense of it like, like a little like, uh, you know, yeah, like, like is it a foot above his head? Is it two feet above it? What it's saying is, when I say inside and outside about spiritual things, we're not talking about like the coffee's in the cup, you know, like physical. But spiritually, when I say inside or outside, what I mean is, what does it mean that his soul is in him? It means it's integrated enough into his consciousness that it's a part of his experience. And that's a Rosh that he has a soul which is part of his experience. Unfortunately, it's not strong enough a part of his experience to prevent him from ever sinning, but it's definitely there, and therefore he's allergic to the sins that he does, and he feels bad about them afterwards. The Rosh Hashanah also has a soul. <laughs> it's just not in him, meaning it's not integrated into his conscious experience. When we say it's makif, that it's hovering, what we mean is he has a soul, but he's not in touch with it. And it doesn't really inform his experience of life. So he just goes through life totally like, like an animal, like survival impulse. There's no morality. Amoral. You know, like a lion feels no regret for killing an antelope. So that's this Rosh Hashanah. just does what he does. And it's all justified. And there's no thought of introspection or stock taking. Just, yeah? But what's the difference between him? The Rosh Hashanah. The Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Who is now connected to Hashem, it sounds, by a sliver. And someone who has you're asking a question about courage. That's a very interesting question. Okay. Um, let, me, let me think if I can even attempt to answer that question sufficiently in the zero time that we have remaining. For practical purposes, let's say it's very similar. Let's say it's very similar. Okay, I, I don't want to... But... For the purposes of our chapter, let's say it's a very similar phenomenon. But does okay. he even feel the pain of that? No. 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 He's fine. He's fine. You know, yes. okay, yes. so here, here, here's, here's... You're helping us so much. I, I don't like to use label. clinical terms. No, I don't like to label, that's for sure, also. Yeah. I, yes, I don't like yeah. to label. But also, I don't like to use clinical terms. I'm not qualified to use these terms. When you say, is he a sociopath? I'm not a mental health professional. I can't use that word. But in a metaphorical, colloquial sense, you know, 
you might say, yeah, yeah. a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they're all work, walking yeah. planet Earth. Yeah. 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 Who would you say are examples of Rosh Hashanah? Yeah. 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 You you need you need to picture somebody. Hitler. No, I'm just curious. <laughs> a Rosh Hashanah is a Jew. It's a Jew who has a nefesh alakis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the question is, so the question is, what about, because no, on the, on the video they can't always hear, especially from the back of the room, your question is, what about a secular Jew who has no concept of Torah mitzvahs, so they eat on Yom Kippur, you didn't give that example, but I'm giving an example, they eat on Yom Kippur and they don't flinch, they, don't, they think nothing of it, so is that a Rosh of ally? And here's what I want to tell you, no, of course not, because you can't test them in an area that they're completely ignorant of. Test them in something that they know about. Like, test them in an area of social justice, and see if they're able to mercilessly step on somebody and not care. If they can, then maybe they are a Rosh Hashanah. But if they can't, even if they eat on Yim Kippur and they don't put on tefillin or they don't like Shabbos candles, that's just because of ignorance. But you're not talking about a person who has no sense of shame and no sense of decency. So they're just like Russia, Yeah, just like us. Yeah. Yeah, regular good people. Yeah. Yeah, regular good people who need to do better. Yeah. I want to wrap it up in one second. Yeah. Ooh, wow. wow. That is a very compassionate, beautiful question. How can we help this Rosh Hashanah connect to his hovering soul? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is a, this is a, a fantastic question. How should we treat this person? And... I guess my question, my answer to your question, and I want to wrap up right now, is um, first and foremost, first and foremost, stay safe, because Rosh Hashanah is a dangerous person. So first and foremost, I want you to stay safe. If you're safe, then you should be as kind as you possibly can be, because we still have a mitzvah of Avos Yisrael, and maybe it'll bring them back, and maybe it won't, and even if it doesn't bring them back, you did the right thing. Okay, let me wrap up with the last line here. Listen, this is such a beautiful way for the Alter Rebbe to finish a chapter that's about Rishoyim, about wicked people. Listen to this beautiful way that <laughs> we're talking about the, the dregs, we're talking about the lows of the rush of our ally, the, the guy who does evil and all he has within him on an accessible level is evil, right? He doesn't even feel regret. And listen to how the Alter Rebbe uh, uh, ends this chapter. He says, Therefore our sages say, Akol be asara shchinta sharyo. On every group of ten Jews the shchina rests. And he doesn't spell it out explicitly, but what he means is they make no qualifications in that statement. In other words, a, a minion of Rishoyim would still have the Shechina. Why? Because Yes, because the Shechina is resting on them. It's not in them, it's hovering. And they have that. 
even though they are a shoyim, and even a rosh of a toiv, a rosh of a raloi level, the shechina is still with them. And you're saying it's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? It's not fair. So you want to punish them? But who says that that's good for the victim to, to punish the rosh of a raloi? The what? They should be even more divorced from God. They should they, they should persist. Who says they feel safe among Hashem and his people? They probably feel... The good, the, the, the good people? The victim? How do you know who's a Rosh Varali? Okay, one last question. Yeah? What, you have a la- last question? Any... Should, are we ra- are we are we done? We need we, any more clarification? I see everybody's triggered by the discussion of Rosh Hashanah. Everybody's thinking about their favorite sociopath, psychopath, narcissist. Correct. Okay, and wishing that they will get their comeuppance. But uh, you know what? There's a. Anything else? Okay, one last question. Yeah. We are. Okay. What? Right. Okay, so the question is, this is the last question, is a Rosha Veraloi a constant thing? So here's what I'm going to answer you. Because as you accurately, collectively, you accurately answered that the difference between a Rosha Veraloi and a Rosha Veraloi is not frequency of sin or severity of sin, but rather the absence of guilt. Okay, so in theory, this is mind-blowing if you think about it, there could be a Rosha Veraloi who sins more frequently than a Rosh Averali, but that Rosh Averali feels bad about it each time, and the Rosh Averali will never feel bad. But you could also have someone who's a Rosh he's a good guy, most part he feels guilty, yeah. so let's say he holds a grudge towards someone because of yeah. the grudge, so he doesn't feel guilty holding a grudge because it's justified. So in that but he feels guilty about other things. Yeah. Right, so in that case... So he's a Rosh Averali. If he's capable of guilt, he's a rush of a tevla. You're asking, well, what if he has this one Aveda that he constantly does and he doesn't feel bad about it? He's a mumer le'inyan le'davar achon. Okay, he's still a rush of a tevla. Okay, what we're talking about is, when we say rush of a rally, we don't mean that there's a, there's a thing that he never feels bad about. We're saying there's nothing that he ever feels bad about. He's incapable of guilt. He's incapable of that self-awareness. Why? Because... The <laughs> okay, are we good? Are we good? Uh, okay. What? How do you move? Okay. Well, you know, we'll continue next week. Okay, let's continue next week. Okay.